You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. Amen. I, for those who haven't been here in a while or kind of new here, I usually encourage our church, and it's something I've done for years. Uh, I usually spend throughout November and, and December praying and asking God for a word, just one word, for the year of 2023. And then usually I ask him to, to back up that word with a scripture. And last year, my word was direction. And there was a lot of things that I needed direction on and, and was thankful for that. And um, if I'm being honest, I was telling Miss Karen earlier this week that I've kind of have two words that I've been wrestling with feel like there's a word that, that God gave me uh, before the, the end of last year that, that I was kind of struggling, working through, asking God for some clarification on. Um, and then we had our, our monthly uh, prayer night on Monday. And as I was here, as we were praying and I was walking over in this area, I heard the Lord speak to me the word victory. Victory, very clearly. And I don't know, I believe it's probably both, is not just a word for me in 2023, but it's also a word for the church in 2023, because I believe that there's a lot of us here that we need to see some victory this year. We saw a lot of defeat. We saw a lot of loss. We saw a lot of frustration in 2022, things that we we didn't like, we didn't want to hear, we didn't want to experience. And in 2023, we need to see victory over those things. And so I want to encourage you in the month of January, some of you have already started um, because uh, we've talked about this before, but spend some time with God and ask Him for a word. We don't need paragraphs, we don't need books. We have a book that has a bunch of words that we can read. But ask God for one word this year, because you'll be amazed at that word, how much it'll show up throughout the year. That as I went through last year, I found myself needing direction. And because God told me that he was going to help me and give me direction, the scripture that he gave me was in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, that he will direct your path. So God, do I go left? Do I go right? Do I stay? Do I stop? What do I do? I found that when I needed direction, I already had a word from God in January that I could hold fast to. You told me you were going to give me direction. Now I need it. Show me what it is. And we made it through. We showed up. And I believe that one of the words for 2023, for me personally and for this church, is the word victory. Now, don't just take that and say, well, I got my word. Pastor gave it to me. No, no, no. Go <laughs> go and, and talk with God yourself and get you a word. Because there's something powerful when he gives you just that one word. And he gives you a scripture to couple with it. And you write that down in your journal. I always go back at the end of the year and I try and write down all the things that happened the previous year. So I have a journal of pages of words going all the way back to like 2014, 20, well, probably before that. When did we move to Dallas? 13 is when God kind of started working me on that. So I have words from every year that I can go back and I have testimonies on there that I can just look and see that God gave me this word and God gave me this word and God gave me this word and he was faithful. And so 
Spend some time with God and ask him for your word, and you'll be surprised that he'll give you one. And usually, uh, the women, their first Bible study, when they restart the year, uh, they talk about their word. So no pressure. You have till Thursday, women, uh, to get your word, um, and you can use victory if you want. Uh, so the title of my sermon today is called, I'm Going to See a Victory. There's a song that Elevation sings. And as I was praying this week and in the shower, I heard this song in my mind. I'm going to see a victory. And I felt the Lord just kind of unraveling this idea. Because I need to see a victory in 2023. In our own personal lives, we need to see a victory in Miss Karen's health. We need to see a victory in Miss Brenda's health. We need to see a victory in the church. We need to see a victory in Pastor Bob. We need to see some victories in 2023. So I'm setting the expectation. I'm, I'm raising my faith level. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. So my expectation level is set at I'm going to see a victory. I'm not going to see a defeat. I'm not going to see a loss. I'm not going to see a failure in 2023. I am going to see a victory. And the scripture that I want to start off with is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. If I'm going to walk by anything... I'm going to walk by faith. And what does walking by faith look like? I'm going to see a victory. I'm not going to see the storm in front of me. I'm not going to see the failure in front of me. I'm not going to see the chaos in front of me. What I'm going to see in 2023 is I'm going to see a victory in Jesus' name. I'm going to see a victory. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, we have the definition of faith. Hebrews 11 is known as the faith book. It's known as the faith chapter. The hall of faith is what it's called. And it starts out with the writer of Hebrews giving us a definition. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is not the evidence of things seen. It tells us what faith is, and it tells us what faith isn't. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. What faith is not is the evidence of what I see. But what I choose to see is a victory. Because what I see with my physical eye is not a victory. But what I see with my faith eye is a victory. And that word hoped does not mean the way that we as Americans think hope means in 2023. It's not a hoping and a praying. It's not our fingers crossed. It's not rubbing the rabbit's foot. It's not hoping that you've done enough good to hopefully overcounter the bad that could potentially happen. No, hope is the expectation of something good happening. I'm going to see a victory. That is what my faith is. In John chapter 1, verses 5 and 4, it meshes these two scriptures together and says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. You have been born again, and you are now born into the kingdom of God. So therefore, you are no longer losers. You are now known as overcomers. And this is the victory that helps us overcome the world. 
our faith. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. I'm not going to see what the world is trying to put in front of me. I'm not going to see what the devil is trying to put in front of me. I'm not going to see what even I have put in front of me. What I'm going to see is my victory, and that involves me building my faith. And how do we build our faith? It's by hearing the word of God. Not hearing, woe is me, not hearing what the news says, not hearing what the president says, not hearing what social media says. It's hearing the word of God that raises my faith. And when my faith is raised, it says that I overcome the world. It says that I achieve the victory that I've been struggling so hard to do on my own. I've been fighting. I've been standing. I've been doing all of these things. And it says the way that you overcome is by believing. Your victory is your faith. So we're going to look at three different Stories, And we're going to pull out three different truths that I believe the Lord has shown me to help you see a victory in 2023. And we'll start with a well-known story of Joshua in the battle of Jericho. In Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked And behold, a man, see how man is capitalized, we're not talking about any man, we're talking about the man himself, stood opposite of him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua asked a very important question, especially as a warrior and a leader. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? Look at verse 14. And Jesus said, he said, no. Well, that's not reassuring, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. I'm on the scene. And Joshua fell on his face, I bet you he did, to the earth and worshiped him and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? We'll we'll jump over to Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Look at verse 2. And this man, talking to Joshua, said to Joshua, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Joshua as a leader, Joshua as a soldier, Joshua as a fighter, Joshua as the commander and the lead captain of the children of Israel is surveying and trying to figure out how he's going to get through Jericho. And he walks out by himself and he's looking at this massive thing in front of him. How are we going to get through there? This is our first test. This is the first. Why couldn't we have a city full of tents? Why couldn't we have a couple herdsmen that we could just run through? Why couldn't we have just an easy battle as we step into the promised land? No, no, no. We've got this large, fortified city that is shut up. And Joshua at the time does not really see it as a benefit He doesn't know that they're scared of them. He thinks, well, they've got to be sharpening their swords. 
They've got to have all their, their warriors together trying to figure out how they're going to get us. They've got to be making bombs and jets and tanks and whatever else that they're building in Jericho to get ready to fight us. And as he's looking down, no doubt rubbing his head, thinking, there's a man who he doesn't know how long has been standing there right next to him. And the thing that this man says is, I've already given you that city. As he's trying to figure out, how am I going to see a victory? God is standing there saying, it's already been defeated. It's already been taken care of. Not only am I going to give you the city, but the king and all the mighty men of valor that are in there as well. As he's standing there trying to figure it out all on his own, God is there whispering him the answers. And it's an unconventional answer, let's be honest, because this type of warfare has never been done, and as far as I know, has never been done since. I don't remember hearing when we fought in Iraq. I don't remember hearing when we fought in Afghanistan. I haven't heard recently about the war between Russia and Ukraine of anyone walking around a city for seven days straight. I haven't heard that they walked around the city on the seventh day seven times quietly. I haven't heard of any battle plan ever up to this point in this story of someone saying, no, 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 lay down your weapons, put the people that like to sing and like to play instruments, usually band people, are not the greatest warriors. Sorry, I'm not trying to make a... But we usually put our special forces secretly running in and out of places. We don't want to announce ourselves with horns and trumpets and ram's horns. It's a bit of an unconventional way to get a victory. And Joshua could have said, who are you? What are you talking about? What's your record? How have you fought? He says, I've already given it to you. Do this, 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 and this. And the walls came crumbling down. He was looking at it, and God showed up and spoke to him, and he saw a victory. The walls were still standing. No doubt the Israelites were saying, what did he say? Do what? Walk where? How, who's in front? The guys that are doing the push-ups in the back, carrying the heavy armor. We're in the front, right, Josh? No, 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 no. It's kind of, it's kind of different. Don't put any armor on the priests, but give them a ram's horn. You better blow it real loud if you want victory. In John chapter 16, verse 13. Paul, I mean, Jesus is speaking right before he leaves. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will what? Guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak to you. And look, he'll tell you of things to come. The Holy Spirit wants you to get a victory more than you want to get a victory. He's already ready and whispering in your ear how to get the victory. Praying and asking God for a word this year is how you're going to see a victory. He's not holding back the battle plans. He's not holding back the secrets. 
It says in the scriptures, if he'll give you Jesus, he'll give you anything, right? How are you going to see a victory in 2023? Is the same way that Joshua saw a victory, is lean in and listen to God. You got to talk to God more because God wants to give you the victory. He wants to tell you what to do, where to go, how to win. We've talked about it many, many times. My dad has worked on more engines than I could ever look at in my life. My dad is a mechanic and has just the gifting, and, and, and I don't know, I haven't found it in the scriptures, but the uh, mechanic anointing on his hands. Or somehow, some way, he can reach down in the middle of that thing, and he might break a knuckle and scratch his knuckles all to hell, but he's going to get that bolt off. You've seen my dad. He's same height, same size. We're not that big, us land folk. We're not big and muscular. But dad can get those bolts off. He can find ways, and he can grab wires, and he can do. He's, he's put his hands on some engines. He's put his hands on, 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 um, on airplanes. He's put his hands on cars. He's put his hands on um, lawn mowers. He's put his hands on all kinds of engines, and he's done it over and over and over again, and he's seen so many victories. Why would I not call him when I'm dealing with my vehicle and ask him for help? I open the hood. I say, yep, well, there's the engine. All right. Let's call dad. What am I looking at? I can't tell you how many times my dad said, "Is crawl under your car. Make sure you have this screwdriver. Make sure you have this bolt. Make sure you have this thing. You're going to need a 10 centimeter. It's always a 10 centimeter. We never have a 10 centimeter. <laughs> crawl under here. Move here. Look up. And I'm like, how do you even know what this? It's a different car. It's a different truck. Grab right there. That's what you need. Unscrew that. Bring it to AutoZone. They'll replace it. Why would I not go to the one who's seen so many victories? I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to fix this truck on my own. I'm going to figure it out on my own. God, where are you? He's right there. Joshua looks up and God's right there. Hey. He says, who, what, whose side are you on? What are you doing? He says, let me tell you how to get the victory. Be like me. Be like Joshua. And go to your father who has all the knowledge who has all the victory, who has all the tactics that can speak into your life to help you see a victory in 2023. Let's jump over a little bit further down in history to David and Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, verses 23 through 25. David has already been anointed king by Samuel, the prophet Samuel, and his dad tells him to go to the battlefield because the Israelites are fighting the Philistines. And he tells them to go bring some bread. Go Uber over to the battlefield. Go bring some McDonald's to your warrior brothers. Hurry up. Make sure it's hot because they're fighting the battle. And you've got to hurry up and get home to the sheep. And he shows up right at the time at this Little-known feller called Goliath walks out there. Then, as he talked with them, he's talking with his brothers, and he's talking with the soldiers. There was the champion, not just any Philistine, the champion, not just any army, the Philistines, the worst, the most fearsome, the most intense army at the time of Gath, and he had a name. 
If you read throughout the Old Testament, how many times did the Israelites fight the Philistines? A bunch. uh, Samson killed a ton of Philistines, and none of them had names. But this one is a champion of the strongest of the baddest. And there's even people in the Bible who did things for Jesus that didn't even get a name. But he got a name, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them, verse 24. And all the men of Israel, look at this, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Verse 25. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man? Who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and he shall be the man who kills him, the king, and whoever kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Praise God for that. Where's Goliath here? I didn't go kill him. Which is interesting because Jesus is in that lineage. He got free taxes. Praise God. Further down in the story, finally. David says, I'll go fight him because he didn't see Goliath. He didn't see the big, bad, scary man. He saw the victory. And he tells the king, I'll go fight him. The king tries to put armor on him. They try to do everything. He said, no, 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 no. Look, drop down to verse 32, I think is where we're at, 37. Moreover, David said this, as he's talking to the king, the king of Israel, the king should have been the one who was going out there to fight Goliath. He is the king. He should be the one who remembers that God is on his side. He is the one that has all the promises and the benefits behind him as the king of Israel with God. He should be the one that is fighting Goliath, but he's hiding behind a boy who is already, unbeknownst to him, anointed as the new king of Israel. The Lord said, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And and Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Verse 30, Hmm. I think I have them out of order, Kale, it's not your fault. (laughs) I'll start in verse 34 and then track back to 37. David is standing in front of Saul. But David said to Saul in verse 34, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, verse 35, I went out after it, struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Verse 36, Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. There's that word again. Seeing that he has defiled and defied the armies. The other one saw him as this big, bad, scary man trying to get him. And how David sees him is this man is defying the armies of God. I see a victory. Verse 37, moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. You see, the, the bear, the bear didn't have a name. Baloo the bear, Smokey the bear, hey boo boo, the bear. The bear didn't have a name, but he killed him with God on his side. The lion didn't have a bear. It wasn't Scar, wasn't Mufasa, wasn't Simba. Lion didn't have a name, but now he's standing in front of this giant 
who's a champion, who does have a name. And another truth that we can learn from David in regards to seeing the victory is relying on what got us through previous battles are going to help us in future battles. He said, I fought the lion, and I beat it, and I fought the bear. It didn't have a name. It wasn't that big of a deal. But now he's standing in front of the champion, the biggest, baddest giant that has a name, Goliath. And he says, and I'll go through him. Because of what God did back then, I'm going to rely on those same truths, those same principles, and I'm going to do it to defeat. And you know what? It didn't get easier, actually, for David. Because after he defeated the giant Goliath, he walked into another battle. But this time, it was his king that was trying to kill him. What happens when you have King Saul, your king, not another king? It's not like another city or another country was trying to kill him. It was his own people. Then what happens when he's trying to fight his own son? Absalom tries to overthrow him later on in his life. There's so many other different countries and people that try to attack him and kill him. But he keeps walking through because he's a man after God's own heart. And he remembers what God has done time and time and time again. I remember a pastor kind of told me a story, not biblically accurate, but it was a, a, a beautiful picture to remember. He said, what if you went to King David's castle? And as King David is touring you through his castle, he brings you into this room. And he brings you up to this first thing. And it's a picture on the wall, a glass encasing, and there's a lion paw in there. He says, hey, when I was 13 years old, I killed this lion. Here's his paw. And then he moved on to the next picture. And it's a bear head, a nice rug, maybe on the floor next to the fire. He says, I killed that bear. It says in the scriptures that later on he gets and picks up Goliath's sword, but he tells him, I'm going to cut your head off, and then he cuts it off. What if hanging from the chandeliers, I don't mean to be gross, but is Goliath's head? He says, look up. There's the champion right there. And he takes you through this hall, in this hall of fame, as he shows you victory after victory after victory after victory. And he says, because it was God. And what he told me then helped me in the next one. What he told me in the next one. I have keys on my key ring. And the keys on my key ring get me into my house. And there's one key that gets me in the front door. That same key gets me in the back door. That same key gets me in my garage door. It's the same key and it opens all three doors. I also have a key on my key ring that gets me into the church. And it opens that door. And it opens that door. And it opens the door in the back. Same key, but gets me into different doors. There are the same keys that God has helped you with throughout your life that will help you see a victory in 2023. And you need to go back to those keys. That's why I told you about the words. I go back to the words from 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and now 2023. And I've got this mess of keys that I can pick up and say, God, you did it before. You'll do it again. Talk to God like Joshua, and he'll give you 
the keys to help you in your victory. Talk to God, and he's going to show you the keys like he gave to David to help in that. And we've got to finish, obviously, with Jesus. Jesus and the cross. Jesus saw a victory. Jesus saw a victory. He didn't see the cross. He saw his victory on the other side of the cross that kept propelling him to get to the cross. In Mark chapter 10, verse 32, this is the third time that Jesus has talked to his disciples. You can read it in like Mark 9, Mark 8. They just go back of Jesus telling his disciples three different times that they're going to kill him. Not the disciples, the other people. Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was going before them. And they were amazed. They were always amazed. It's Jesus. And as they followed, they were afraid. Okay, well, that changed quickly. Then he took the 12 aside again, and he began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Now, this is reassuring, as you hear from your leader. Behold, we. I say, wait, time out, Jesus. We? Let's start with you, and then maybe I'll come meet you. We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. Verse 34, this is really encouraging to disciples. And they will mock him, and they will scourge him, and they will spit on him, and they'll kill him. But Jesus, he sees the victory. Look how he finishes. And the third day, he will rise again. Jesus saw the victory. He knew what he was about to go through, but he kept talking about the victory. He didn't talk about the cross. He talked about the victory. When he's having communion with his disciples, I love communion. I preach about it, talk about it. We do it a lot. He tells in the Gospels, he tells them, this is my body which is broken for you. This is the blood which is shed for you. But he finishes with, I will not drink of the vine until I return again. Talking about the victory. Yes, my body's going to be broken. Yes, my blood's going to be shed. But he always finished his conversation with I'm coming out on the other side. I'm coming out victorious on the other side. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is where me and some of my pastor friends, we kind of probably steer in a little bit different of directions because I don't like the way that my Jesus is preached and the way that my Jesus is portrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, if I'm being honest with you. Because a lot of people preach that this is the moment that Jesus' humanity has been shown, that he's scared, that he's worried, that he's nervous, that he doesn't want to go to the cross. This is the way that you may or may not have heard it preached. And, and I understand that to a degree, but it doesn't fall in line with the same way that Jesus has preached over and over and over. I've come to seek and save the lost. I've come to bring life and more abundantly. I've come to heal. I've come to save. I've come to do these things. I'm going to the cross. I'm rising from the dead. Over and over and over again, that's what he says, but it's preached that he's in the garden and they preach it like Jesus is trembling. He's shaking. Ah! If there's anything you can do, let your cup pass from me. And it says that he's so stressed that he's sweating drops of blood. Not, not sweat like grape drops of blood, but literal drops of blood. Which means Jesus was about to die 
in the garden. How do I know that? Because God had to send an angel to strengthen him. Read it in the Gospels. He sends an angel to strengthen Jesus because the, the weight of sin was starting to descend upon him in the garden of Gethsemane. This is what I believe, how I read the Bible. And Jesus prays this prayer. There be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Because I believe that Jesus was about to die in the garden. He was experiencing the weight of sin at that moment as it was being pressed upon him, as darkness was being pressed upon him, and the light of his Father was starting, my God, my God, why are you saying, was starting to separate. That weight started leaning upon him, and he started dying in the garden. And his prayer to God is, I know you want me to get to the cross to die for their sins, but I don't think I'm going to make it. So I'm going to die right here. And if that's your will, then I'll die for their sins here. But I know it's the cross that you want me to get there. So if there's any other way, get me to the cross. He's not trying to run from the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's trying to get there because he sees the victory. He's saying, God, give me strength to get me to the cross. And he's strengthened. And it says he stands up. He wakes up his disciples. And he says, look, they're here. And he walks toward them. The people that are turning me in, they're here. Get up, disciples. Let's go. If I'm Jesus and I'm scared, I'm hiding behind a tree, right? I'm like Adam and Eve. I'm hiding. Ah, where's he at? I don't know. Get Peter. He's saying, get me to the cross. How do I know this? Let's keep reading. John chapter 18, verse 37. He's now standing in front of Pilate, and Pilate's doing everything he can to get Jesus off the cross, to get Jesus away from the cross. He's trying to convince the Pharisees, we don't need to crucify him. He is a perfect man. There's nothing wrong with him. And he's standing in front of this Roman leader, and he says to him, are you a king then? And Jesus answers and says, you say rightly that I'm a king for this cause. That doesn't sound like somebody who was scared an hour ago. He's now standing. He's beaten. He's bloody. He's on the verge of dying. And he stands in front of the face of the only one that can free him. And he says, for this cause, I am called to go to that cross. Because he sees a victory. For this cause, I was born. And for this cause, I have come into the world. That I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of truth hears my voice for this cause he doesn't talk about the cross he talks about the victory on the other side i'm coming back on the other side i'm coming back god is going to raise me from the dead and we are going to destroy the works of the devil i'm coming back i'm not going to die on the cross i'm going to come back from the cross this is just temporary he keeps talking about the victory he doesn't talk about the defeat and now jesus is on the cross and it's my second to last scripture Luke 23, verse 46, and it's the last thing that Jesus says, and it's the biggest faith statement that's ever been made in the history of faith statements. Jesus has already been placed on the cross. He is breathing his last couple of breaths. He's already yelled out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthia, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And as he is struggling to take his last breaths before he dies, he has never died before, he has never experienced sin before, he has never experienced separation from his father before, he has never experienced any type of evil, any type of distress, he's never experienced any of those things before. And this is the last thing he says. And if Jesus is a liar, then on that cross, the last thing he would say is, Whew, shouldn't have said all that stuff. I made a mistake. If he's a lunatic, then he could have kept babbling on about crazy things. Or, he's the third thing, he's the Lord, and he makes one more cry. He doesn't say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He reminds his father. Father, into your hands. I don't know what's happening next. I've been declaring the victory for all these years. For the last three years, I said in three days, my God is going to come and raise me from the dead. But I don't know because you're not around and I don't know what's going on. So I'm dying and my last declaration is not defeat, but it's victory. My Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last with a full faith declaration that I'm going to see a victory might not be in an hour, might not be in a day, might not be in two days, but all of a sudden, the things that he had been declaring for years and years and years, that stone started to shake, and God started sending angels, go get my boy, he's done enough, it is finished, it is complete, he has already experienced all the defeat, so now anybody that believes on my son can experience the victory for the rest of their lives. And that, that stone rolled away and he came roaring out because he not only saw, but he talked the victory. 6,098 people have climbed to the top of Mount Everest. The, la the first one to do it was in May 29, 1953, Edmund Hillary and his Sherpa mountaineer, Tenzing Norgay, were the first ones to climb to the top of Mount Everest, recorded in 1953. Since then, only 6,098 people have done that same feat, climbed to the top. Since that time frame, over 300 people have died on that mountain trying to do it. They say as you're trying to climb the mountain, you can still see bodies of people on there. From 1953 till right now, I think the last number was pulled from July 2022, 6,098 people have climbed to the top of Mount Everest. It is a mountain that realistically anybody in the world can go climb. It's here on earth. We can fly a plane there. We can all buy a, 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 a snow motorcycle or whatever they're called, <laughs> drive our way there. We can get some oxygen tanks. We're going to start collecting money for the press Mount Everest climb in 2024. Anybody can go and do that. Right now it says that there's 8 billion people in the earth and only 6,000 people have climbed to the top of this thing. Anybody can do it, but not everybody does. You all have the ability, all Christians, all people on this earth have the ability to see the victory that they're expecting to see in 2023, but not everybody will. And is that Jesus' fault? No. 
It's a frustrating thing when it falls in our, I, I don't have the lung capacity. I don't have the, the body type to climb to the top of Mount Everest. I, there, there's so many things that, that are against me to go do that. But there are select few that say, no, 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 I'm going to turn this from just a thought or just hoping or just praying to seeing the victory of standing on top of that mountain. And may it be said that Press Church are those people. Here I am, Lord, send me. I'm going to see a victory in 2023. Because it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, I'm finishing with this scripture. But thanks be to God who gives us. He's not charging us. He's not demanding it. He's not balancing out a scale. Well, if you do 10 good things this year, then maybe I'll give you one victory. He gives you the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us be the ones that go all the way to the top of the mountain and see our victory. Not hoping, not praying, not being like Joshua, just standing back looking at the walls. Man, that's a big wall. Not being like the rest of the Israelites looking at Goliath. Man, that's a big giant. There's no way I can defeat him. But being like Jesus, not talking about defeat, but always ending with victory. Yeah, I know it's bad right now. I know it's frustrating right now. I know you're not seeing the true evidence of what God has said in the Bible. But let's be like Jesus and always talk about victory. I'm rising again. I'm coming back from the dead. I'll drink of the vine. I'm going to make it there. I'm going to see the victory. Do you want to see a victory this year? Number one, listen to God because he'll tell you how to get a victory just like Joshua. Number two, remember and use the previous tactics in previous victories with God to help you in your current battle like David. And number three, Keep talking victory over defeat like Jesus. Amen? We're going to see a victory in 2023. Amen? Let's stand up. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you've already given us the victory. You've already supplied the answers. You've already supplied the keys. You've already given us a voice to speak and declare the victory. And Father, we believe that we're going to see a victory in 2023. Whatever that looks like in our lives, we're going to see a victory in 2023. Faith, substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Right now, we might all be seeing something that is contrary to your word, but what I'm going to stand and choose from this point on is to see a victory. Father, speak to your people. Father, give them a word. Give them a word this year. I'm asking as their pastor to give them a word. As they're driving to work, as they're driving home from church, as they're laying down on their pillow at night, the best place to get a word, God, I know is in the shower. So while they're taking showers, Father, speak to them and give them a word. While they're going to pick up and eat lunch today, give them a word, Father. Give them a scripture that they can stand on so whenever something happens in February or June or July or November or December, they can go back to that word and say, no, 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 I'm going to see a victory. It might look like defeat right now, but your word says that he that the sun sets free is free indeed. Father, bless these people. Father, speak to these people. Father, let us be the ones that make it to the top of Victory Mountain. I don't want to be the one that makes it halfway up the mountain and then dies and everybody just walks by and looks at me and says, well, he almost made it. I don't want to be the one that sits at home hoping and wishing one day I can climb the mountain. No, no, no. I want to be spiritually strong enough in my relationship with you to make it to the top of the victory that I'm looking for in 2023. Father, I thank you 
that you're blessing these people. You're talking to these people. Thank you that they're ahead and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. The favor of God surrounds them like a shield. Father, I thank you that everything they put their hands to prospers. Father, I thank you that you are healing their bodies. You're restoring their mind. You're transforming and renewing their mind. Father, I thank you that we're the salt and light of the earth. That we lead people up the victory mountain. That people follow us. How did you do it? I saw what you went through in 2022. How are you still standing in 2023? How are you still blessed in 2023? How are you still thriving in 2023? Let us be the ones that show and teach people how to do that. Father, bless them, protect them, cause them to prosper in everything they do, and bring them back safely this week. In Jesus' name, amen. I have one more story real quick before I let you go. I was working on this sermon yesterday, last night. And as I was working on the sermon last night, on I'm going to see a victory. We had something happen last year in 2022. And it was a minor inconvenience, if I'm being honest. It was, it was something that happened uh, to me and Maddie, and, and, and we were trying to figure it out, and, and, and just circumstances didn't align. And I told Maddie, you know what, we're going to sow this situation. Let, let God work on it. Let God deal with it. And as I'm working on this sermon, I get an email at 9 o'clock last night from the person who we had the issue with that restored everything that we were supposed to get in 2022. And I jumped out of my bed at like 9, 10 o'clock last night, and I handed the phone to my wife, who didn't know the sermon that I was writing, who didn't know that as I'm sitting there in my bed writing this sermon, I saw a victory in 2023 from something that happened in 2022. And I said, yes, Lord, I know exactly what I'm supposed to be preaching today. And if he did it for me, and he did it for me that fast, in the middle of me writing it, he'll do it for you in 2023. So God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all next week. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.